1: Hello and welcome. It's time for this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. Kunal, I'm very excited because July is my second favorite month of the year. So we have three iconic Formula 1 races this month. There's Austria this weekend, followed by Silverstone and then Hungary. Yay!
0: (laughs) (laughs) And in my view, Austria is to Formula 1 what Wimbledon is to tennis. And it is Wimbledon time, by the way.
1: You know, you love all these strange comparisons. (laughs) And they're highly debatable, let me tell you.
0: (laughs) By the way, one of your favorite drivers, Sergio Perez, he has said that racing in Austria is like racing with nature. I like
1: how you've disowned Perez anyway.
0: (laughs) And uh, I have one more actually. So Silverstone is to Formula One, what Lords is to Cricket, the Mecca of Motorsport, most definitely so.
1: Well, now you we should have a comparison for Budapest, too, <laughs> on popular demand.
0: Come on, Kunal. Okay, I wasn't ready for this, but Budapest is just Budapest, a lovely circuit that is actually got the characteristics of a street circuit.
1: <laughs> I'm going to ask That's you this true. again on that, next week's podcast. That is true,
0: Although Budapest has a lot of history. Also, one of my favorite European cities to holiday in. By the way, this is also Tour de France time, and in fact, the third stage of the Tour de France, which uh, concluded a couple of days ago this week, the organizers included a lap of the famous spa Franco Champs as a part of the stage. So, basically, there were 200 cyclists going up Eau Rouge, and... And then racing through some of the fastest and most iconic Formula 1 corners.
1: I'm loving this integration across sports. Like, so amazing. (laughs) Guys, there's some really cool pictures on our Facebook page. Go check them out. So, we start with Austria this weekend. And I have to agree, it is a beautiful circuit.
0: And I just wish that the name was interesting too. So, it's called Red Bull Ring, which to me is obviously very commercialized. And I wonder if this is the only circuit on the Formula 1 calendar that's got a sponsor name in it. And I probably think it is.
1: Well, the historic name of the circuit is obviously something very unpronounceable. Something like Ostrich Ring. I'm not sure of the local pronunciation. (laughs) I think Red Bull Ring is much easier for the sake of our podcast.
0: (laughs) I actually don't know the meaning of the word uh, Ostrich Ring, but it... It probably seems like it's named behind the fastest bird in the world, probably. I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for dazzling us with that, Kunal.
0: (laughs) By the way, at the Austrian Grand Prix, lucky fans will be allowed to wave the checkered flag. So, good work from Liberty Media yet again. And frankly, we should stop calling them Liberty Media because they're now called the Formula One group and uh, they've actually paid billions to be called that. So, I'm sure they're not (laughs) happy with this.
1: Yes, so at the Austrian Grand Prix, it's going to be Mercedes versus Ferrari yet again. Very excitingly. And it's Red Bull Racing's home race. But I don't think they're in the mix for top honours. Unless we have a situation like last race play out again.
0: <laughs> this will actually be a crucial race for Ferrari. Because the perception is that after Monaco, Mercedes was pulled away from Ferrari. And my mind still goes back to qualifying in Baku where uh, you know it was horrible qualifying for Ferrari. They were a full second behind. So, the Paddock perception is also that the FIA's clampdown on oil burn has actually hurt Ferrari's pace.
1: Basically, on one hand, the FIA acted against Ferrari's prospects, and on the other hand, they've acted for Ferrari's (laughs) prospects. Obviously, I'm referring to the FIA hearing and their final statement on Sebastian Vettel's Baku incident, the infamous Baku incident, and they've declared no further action against Vettel. Which was really funny because there was a, like this whole thing going viral where people were joking about um, the FI actually disqualifying him from Baku. Yes. <laughs> so there's fake news in F1 too. <laughs> what do you think Kunal?
0: I think it's a fair view by the FI because the FI, uh, you know, by not issuing a post-race penalty or post-one week after the race penalty, it just shows that they trust the stewards who uh, who did the stewarding at Baku. They penalized battle. In the race, they penalized him post the race as well, immediately post the race. So any sanction a week later could have actually pointed to some sort of bias or not actually. And uh, frankly, whichever way the FIA would have acted, there would have been uh, allegations of a bias, I think. I
1: think the one thing that did happen with the FIA investigating the incident was that the incident remained a talking point all through the week. So a lot of controversial PR for the sport and I'm sure Liberty Media is... Pretty happy with
0: that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, although, you know, they should take the controversy out of this because I would have appreciated if there was transparency in their proceedings. Say, they should have released Hamilton's telemetry to prove that Hamilton was not fair. They should have released their reasoning behind why Vettel was not penalized further, especially because the, the general opinion was that he should have been so.
1: Well, I read Vettel's statement and obviously he's accepted his mistake on both counts. First on publicly misjudging Hamilton's intentions and then overreacting in the heat of the moment.
0: Yeah, and frankly, I thought Vettel would get a suspended sentence and would be put under observation for the next 12 months.
1: Well, I'm just really glad that Vettel wasn't stripped of his Baku points. Because if they had done that, Hamilton would have been on equal points with him when they started in Austria. Absolutely mouth prospects and great PR for the sport. <laughs>
0: There were already allegations in the media after Baku that the FIA let Vettel off leniently, so to say, because of the impact it could have had on the championships.
1: And that's interesting, Kunal, because I know that there have been times when drivers weren't penalised for banging wheels at racing speeds. And Vettel picked up one for doing so under the safety car. So basically, it was just that it was deliberate this time around. <laughs> anyway, Wettel found support from some really unassuming supporters, unexpected to Bernie Ecclestone and Jacques Villeneuve. <laughs> so Ecclestone thought that Hamilton tried to put Wettel in trouble. And Villeneuve said that the clash was at such a slow speed that, you know, no one should bother about it.
0: <laughs> it's actually strange to hear it from Jacques Villeneuve because he would have almost lost his only World Drivers' Championship had Michael Schumacher's evil plans to bang wheels and throw him off the circuit had worked. So,
1: yeah, yeah true. it's
0: actually strange to hear Jacques say that. Uh, anyway, I have two favorite parts of this Battle Baku FIA incident. The first one being that Jolian Palmer believes that Vettel was lucky to not get disqualified from the Azerbaijan Grand Prix.
1: Just like Palmer is lucky to still be in that Renault, mate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Renault is so tired of his non-performances that they've stopped issuing ultimatums to him.
1: (laughs) Well, Julian Palmer, Kubica is coming for you. (laughs) Only a matter of time, Kunal.
0: I really, really hope so. The second incident which was funny for me was the FIA press release in which they specifically said that Jean Todd wouldn't have Sebastian Vettel endorse any of the FIA's road safety programs for the remainder of the year.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a sanction no driver would hate. But I really must say that the FIA, credit to you guys for adding humor to an otherwise serious statement.
0: (laughs) Come on to our podcast. Yeah, exactly. They're doing what we do, adding humor to the serious sport and business of Formula One.
1: Unless they have been hiring you to write their press releases, (laughs) Kunal. Then this all makes sense.
0: I shan't say, I shan't say.
1: (laughs) What have you been moonlighting as? (laughs)
0: But uh, I'd like to take Jensen Button's view on this uh, issue when he said, let's move on. And let's move on from that. Uh, so, Bernie Ecclestone has asked Ferrari to sign Fernando Alonso. I, f- I think he forgets that he cannot control or he does not control the sport as much as he used to before. <laughs> on the other hand, Flavio Briottori has said that Alonso needs to go to Ferrari or Mercedes next season. I'm sure the guy who um, you know, who advised Alonso to leave Ferrari, is now saying he needs to go back. Uh, but overall, good teamwork by the good old buddies Bernie and Flavio.
1: And a surprising lack of teamwork from the Mercedes camp in refuting Eddie Jordan's comments that Mercedes could be on their way out of Formula One in 2020. Oops. <laughs> yes. So apparently, Toro Wolf has gone and warned Eddie Jordan.
0: And it's actually just Toto Wolff who's doing all the talking. There's no word from the Mercedes executive board, Mercedes official PR person, etc., etc. Of course, Toto Wolff's an investor, so he knows what's happening. But So here's the strange part. I would still trust Eddie Jordan's words, even though I know that Wolff is a shareholder in the Mercedes Formula 1 team.
1: Uh, Kunal on the shareholder front at McLaren. So Ron Dennis has sold his McLaren shares for a lot of money. And basically, he's cut all ties with the team. I'm wondering what he's going to do next, especially with all that money. And it's just making me believe that McLaren's dismal performance has people leaving the team left, (laughs) right and (laughs) centre.
0: Precursor to Alonso, maybe. Absolutely. And... uh, uh I think uh, Ron Dene should go to Force India. In fact, with all that money, he could buy out the entire team if he wanted to.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm just wondering if this is why Force India has already been talking about a possible name change.
0: (laughs) Never know. And Force India to Force One. Strangely, in India, the team is actually called Force One instead of Force India. So for a large number of Indians, or a majority of Indians, nothing would have actually changed.
1: (laughs) And the acronym would then be FOF1 or even F1F1. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Huh?
0: <laughs> I wonder what Formula One thinks about a team having an acronym F1. But, uh, Not
1: once but twice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Vijay Mali has in fact said that uh, having India in the team name isn't delivering what he intended it to, which was sponsorship. And I know this because it was my job a few years back. <laughs>
1: I'm wondering if the reason for lack of sponsorships is the India angle or is it the owners, Malia and Subritha Roy or, you know, all of the above. <laughs> or maybe Kunal's because you left, you're not at that job anymore.
0: <laughs> Thank you. But I'll tell you one team that isn't learning or hasn't learned uh, from Force India's mistakes of putting a country in the team name. And that's the rumored new team, China F1 Racing. So they are expected to join the grid in 2020.
1: Now, Eddie Jordan will go and say that the Chinese F1 team will fill up the vacancy created by Mercedes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and now that actually Force India is dropping India, will China F1 Racing drop China from its team name too? And anyways, there's just so much tension between India and China these days.
1: <laughs> All I'd say is I'd rather see clashes on track than, you know, <laughs> at the border. <laughs> Anyway, the Verstappens are really upset with Red Bull Racing. And Max Verstappen didn't do media interviews post-Baku. And then Jos Verstappen lashed out at Christian Horner only to go and deny the comments later. So it's all very confusing and very fishy what's going on, guys.
0: <laughs> and it seems that nothing is going Red Bull Racing's way at the moment. So two fans put up a video of the Red Bull Racing truck parked. Uh, by the roadside, needing some assistance while travelling between races. And thanks to social media, we already know that Red Bull Racing has completed lesser racing laps this season than the McLaren-Honda cars.
1: Ouch. I, I just think that Max Verstappen is going to be hoping for Daniel Ricciardo's car <laughs> at Austria.
0: <laughs> but think of it this way. So, a lot of uh, McLaren-Honda sponsors, and I can remember Tag Heuer and Mobil1, actually moved from McLaren-Honda to Red Bull Racing because of McLaren-Honda's dismal performances and clearly they weren't getting the visibility and the exposure they wanted. Yeah. But guess what, I think 7 races into 2017 and they probably have had lesser visibility than McLaren-Honda. So.
1: Well, Ricciardo is doing pretty well for himself so I think Red Bull Racing is going to be happy with half their results <laughs> if nothing else.
0: Well, <laughs> let's hope their sponsors are happy because if not then Force India has always got some more space on their car for sponsors. <laughs>
1: Well, I can't wait for a Mercedes versus Ferrari versus Red Bull Racing fight at Austria. That's going to be a dream come true.
0: Yeah, and a dream of mine, in fact, would be a suggestion that we made earlier uh, in the year that might come true in 2018. So Liberty Media is planning a combined car launch event for the next season.
1: That's nice. And guys, thank you for listening to us and taking our suggestions so seriously. (laughs) Uh, We're unofficial consultants and we know it and we love it.
0: (laughs) And I think it's a dream for Formula One fans. To just have every car unveiled on the same day, literally every other hour.
1: I knew when it was such a headache to remember which car is launching on which day and then, you know, try and figure all that oh, out. Oh, yes. What a trouble that was. I think the only downside is some of the smaller teams, you know, like McLaren, (laughs) they're going to struggle for coverage in the papers the next day.
0: Ouch. (laughs) But Bernie Ecclestone has finally agreed that Liberty Media is doing a better job than him. Though knowing him, he could be at his sarcastic best.
1: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Well, some final words on the Kubica story. So the F1 test that he did with Renault, he says that his chances of return have zoomed from 10% to 90%. So that's going to be one phenomenal test that he had. And I think it would be absolutely heroic for him to make a comeback with Renault. The only downside, of course, is that Renault aren't sure whether they'd be able to win in 2019, But I hope they can. For Nico (laughs) Hulkenberg's sake, if nothing else.
0: (laughs) And uh, I think the heroic return will actually be a super heroic return if Ferrari signed Robert Kubica for Kimi Raikkonen in 2018. And that would be a massive moment for the sport, for Ferrari, and even more so for Robert Kubica. Let there be hope.
1: Fingers crossed.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. We're really looking forward to an exciting race at the Austria ring or the Red Bull ring in Austria. And I really hope that Ferrari take the fight back to Mercedes because that's what we want as Formula One fans. Thank you. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
1: Is that Shakespeare?
0: Nope.